Good morning, Reality Church. It is so good to be with you this morning. I'm super excited for a couple of reasons today. The first is that today is the first day of Advent, and I am a massive Advent fan, and so I'm super excited to be kicking off our new series today. The second reason is that we are actually recording here in the Swedish American Hall, which is where our church started all those years ago. And I didn't join the teaching team until after we had moved out of this space, so I'm getting to stand on the stage and speak speak in this, in this beautiful venue for the first time ever. So I'm kicking off Advent today, and um, I don't know, maybe you're familiar with Advent, maybe this is a new thing for you, but I want to start us off this morning with a, with a quote from Rich Velotis, and he says, the good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, we often aren't, but that God is faithful in his coming. Advent is Latin for coming or arrival, and of course, it's leading up to Christmas, and we are remembering the birth of Jesus, and that's wonderful. He already came. We know he's going to come again one day, but you know what, church? He is coming into our life even today. God is coming. He is moving in our church, in our lives, in our family, in our city, in our nation, and in our world. And that is what I want to talk about today because I believe that Advent is a time that invites us to wait and wait with expectant hearts. There's this beautiful kind of Catholic liturgy around Advent. And it says that Advent is a time of devout and expectant delight. I love this, devout and expectant delight. This caught my attention because I've never really seen the word delight attached to Advent before. Christmas, of course, the delight and all the celebration of Christmas, but Advent tends to be about you know, light and dark and hope and peace and those kind of things. And here it says that Advent is a time of expectant delight. Church, I wanna ask you this morning, is there room in your heart for expectant delight? delight this season. 2020 has been a year, hasn't it? And, and I'm sure many of us are feeling anxiety and grief and pressure and stress and so many things. And I wonder, is there any room left this Advent season? Is there any room for expectant delight? That is what I want to unpack for us this morning. You might be feeling like, I don't know. I don't know if there's any space. I, there's so much going on in my life and you know, maybe you're just feeling like, I'm just crawling through the end of this year. Like, I'm just going to, like, get through the holidays and hope I wake up on January 1st and feel a heck of a lot better. Or maybe you're dealing with your despair by putting up your Christmas tree in October, and you're like, this is just how I deal with it. Like, we all have our strategies, right? We all do what we need to do. But I want to say this morning, church, that I actually think delight is the remedy for our despair. Delight is the remedy for our despair, and we're gonna unpack that this morning. We're gonna move through some of the Advent, traditional Advent stories. We kind of graze from a few spots. This is a little bit of a non-traditional Advent message, but we're gonna pull from some of those stories. So if you have that, your Bible open, we are gonna start in Luke 1. And we're gonna start by reading about Mary and Elizabeth. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. 
Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of, your, of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her, and at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Church, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are coming right now in our lives in this moment. Wherever we're at, whatever we're distracted by, whatever's going on in our life, Lord Jesus, you are coming to find us this morning. You are coming to seek us out. You're coming to do a work in our life. You're coming to bring your kingdom into our hearts, into our families, into our circumstances, into everything going on around us. Jesus, you are coming. And Lord, we want to wait in expectant delight. Jesus, would you help us make room this morning? There's been so much. We're carrying so much. Many of us have put down hope this year. We put down our peace. We put down our joy because everything was so heavy and it was just overwhelming. And Lord Jesus, I believe that this morning you're inviting us to pick up our delight again. Would you help us to do that this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about these two ladies for a moment. You have Elizabeth. She had been barren for decades, married to Zechariah, who was a priest. They loved God. They were faithful, devout people, and they had prayed for so long for a child, and decades had gone by, and she could not get pregnant. I can just imagine every single month hoping that this would be the month, year after year after year, until you just get to the point where you give up. But then God showed up, and she's suddenly pregnant, pregnant with a child who would become John the Baptist, the great prophet who would prepare the way for Jesus. Then you have Mary, who is this young girl, pledged to be married, an angel shows up and literally turns her world upside down. I mean, God is gonna come upon her and she's gonna become pregnant. I can only imagine just the anxiety that must have been going on inside of her. Will her parents disown her? Will Joseph leave her? What's the future gonna be? Who is this person I'm carrying? There's so much unknown, so much uncertainty. So much going on in the lives of these women. 
And yet what we read in these scripture is immense delight. Their lives are turned upside down after years of disappointment or looking ahead at years of uncertainty. And yet what we experience as we read this text is so much delight. I mean, literally Elizabeth's baby leaps with joy. If you translate that word joy, it actually translates to delight. Delight is woven into the fabric of their lives in these moments, in these stories. And yet they were both so vulnerable. I mean, both so like exposed pregnancy. Gosh, it's such a vulnerable thing to step into. You're literally carrying another life and how you sleep and how you move and what you eat, all of that affects this little life inside of you. And suddenly the world has dangers in it that you never noticed before. They're vulnerable and yet they're experiencing delight. Mary's listening to the angel and she's like, yeah, I wanna participate in this, yeah. Elizabeth, after all these decades of barrenness, it's like God said it, he's gonna do it, here I am, I'm pregnant, and these two women come together and we experience this just elated joy. Church, I wanna suggest that it was actually their vulnerability and their ability to embrace their vulnerability that enabled them to experience such deep delight. Delight by its very nature is a vulnerable emotion. Author, researcher, and all-round incredible person, Brene Brown says that joy is the most vulnerable emotion that we can experience. That might seem strange. Let me unpack that for just a moment. I've got two boys. If you're a parent or if you have kids in your life that you just love, you'll relate to this. Sometimes I walk into their room at night and I watch them sleep, not in like a creepy way, but in like an, oh, I'm a good mom kind of way. And I actually did this just a couple of nights ago. My, my youngest, he's six, he's super cute when he sleeps. Like he's got his little blanket like kind of pulled up and his face just looks like angelic and perfect. And he just stood there and, and, and maybe we've done this too. It's like you just feel like this immense joy for these like human beings that you're responsible for. And you feel like, oh my gosh, I just like, I don't know if I could feel any more delight just looking at you and in that moment fear of like I don't know what I would do if I ever lost you I, I, I don't know and it's like that moment of deep delight is suddenly snatched away because suddenly we feel like how could I face that kind of loss maybe you've had a job offer that just feels too good to be true maybe there's a new relationship in your life and you're like this is so good and you know what I just can't feel it I can't feel how good this is because some at some moment the other shoe's gonna drop like this can't be this good this delight is overwhelming Brene Brown goes on to talk about the windows of beauty and awe so painfully tender and lovely that in the in the space of a millisecond we unconsciously flash to, to terror and shut them down. De joy and delight are just so terrifying when it feels so good and we just shut that thing down. And in that moment, we pull back, we almost recoil from it because we realize that in order to stay in that moment of delight, we're gonna have to let our guard down. 
We're going to have to put our defenses down. We're going to have to say, I, I want this. I love this. This is important to me. This matters to me. And to do that, we have to put down the defenses and we have to risk loss. See, delight is vulnerable like that. I want to talk to you this morning about the vulnerability of delight. See, in those moments that are so good, we experience this recoil and we begin to what Brene calls dress rehearse tragedy. We kind of pre-grieve, we dress rehearse disappointment and loss and worst case scenarios. And so it's like we're on the edge of delight and we're just thinking this is so great and then we have to shut it down because you know what, 2020 has been so disappointing and it's been so heavy. And it's like, I can't possibly allow myself to experience this joy, this delight. And so we just rest, rehearse, we prepare for, we have these thoughts in our head of all the things that could go wrong. The problem is dress rehearsing disappointment will smother your delight. It will suck the air right out of it. Smother that thing down. Never before, I think, has a year like 2020 been a threat in and of itself. Maybe you can relate to this. Sometimes I'm texting my friends and something bad has happened, like has happened a lot in 2020, and we just kind of hashtag every text 2020, right? Because it's just like anything bad that's going to happen, it's probably going to happen in 2020, right? It's just like one thing after another, hashtag 2020, this is just how it's going to be. It's like 2020 is a bandit that just came in and wants to take every good thing and nothing is safe. Like hide your kids, hide your people, hide anything that's like special to you because 2020 is coming, right? It's like a threat. And we all feel that. I know you all are hashtagging 2020, right? But because of that, we have become risk averse. We have become afraid of risk. And the thing is, delight demands vulnerability. And so now we have this scenario where we are all running for our lives from 2020, and we are feeling the threat, and we were feeling things pressing in on us as though we're not safe, because we haven't been safe. There's been so much that has happened. So we're shying away from any, anything that feels risky. We, we're not even considering a relationship. Not because we don't want it, not because God's told us not to, but it's 2020. <laughs> like, let's, let's wait on that. And we're not even thinking about, you know, that dream or that entrepreneurship or going back to school or taking that next step in whatever we're doing. Like, not this year, because 2020 is bound to snatch it all away. It feels like playing with fire this year to risk, to risk loss and more grief, because it's like, how much more grief could we possibly take? But without vulnerability, without risk, we can't experience delight. And church, God wants us to experience delight this Advent season. Not just delight in the season, not just delight in what's going on around us, but delight in Him. And so we have this quandary 
where God's saying, hey, I want you to delight in me because I delight in you. And we're like, I don't know how to do that this year. I mean, last year was hard enough, but this year I'm terrified of even hoping that you're as good as you say you are. I'm terrified of taking that risk and feeling that delight and then having to smother it by dress rehearsing all the disappointment that's bound to come. You see, when we do that, it's just like we just put a blanket on delight, like a weighted blanket. It's like heavy and we're like paralyzed under it and we can't get any air. And it's like delight is wanting to breathe and we're like, just suck the air right out of that. Can't let that live. But church, the invitation, this Advent season, is one of expectant delight. How do we make room again for expectant delight in our hearts? I believe that's got what God wants to do this Advent season. I believe that the Holy Spirit is coaxing us forward and asking us to lift the corner of our blanket today, not to rip that thing off, I know that's gonna take some time for all of us, but I wonder this morning, I wonder this Advent, if we just begin to lift that blanket and just let delight breathe a little bit. You know, what I love about the Christmas story about Jesus coming is, you know, he didn't come in that big grand palace and he didn't come with all the demands that he could have. He came to that little outhouse thing when there was no room for him at the inn. You see, even just the smallest opening Jesus will take it. You have, a little, you have a little outhouse for me, I'll take it. You got a manger where the animals eat, I'll take it. You got a little corner of your heart where you can just pull back the blanket and let me just breathe some delight in there, I'll take it. Because that's how good he is. That's how kind he is. He knows that some of us are just, we've lost a lot and we felt a lot and we felt fear and it's like, we're not ready to just rip that thing off and be like, whoa, expectant delight. But maybe, just maybe this morning, we can just begin to peel back that blanket and say, okay, I want this. I want to delight in God again. I want to trust him again. I want to know him. I want to hear him speak my name. That's, that's delight right there. And we just let it breathe a little bit. And then when the foreboding joy comes, when that sense of it's going to be all snatched away, we just sit with it and we name it. And we say, Jesus, I know that bad things are going to happen. Life might be hard. Grief is going to be experienced, but I want the delight as well because we know, church, that if we shove down all the pain, then we smother the delight. But as we open up that blanket and we experience delight, church, I believe it will sustain us. I believe it will be the remedy for our despair. Our second short scripture day is from Luke 2. This is the story where the angels appear to the shepherds and you know the, the whole sky just blows up with these incredible angels and they're like singing all these praises. And Luke 2 verse 10 says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Church, I wanna say this morning that there's a vulnerability to delight and there is a simplicity to delight. See, the shepherds, they're just like ordinary dudes, like out on the hillside with their sheep, chilling. They're not the most educated. They're not the most privileged, but they're faithful. They're watching their sheep. They're doing their thing. They're probably not well-studied. They may not be the most worldly wise. They're pretty simple. And angels show up and say, hey, something's going down and you wanna be part of this. And their reaction is not to at first pause and consider, well, what should we do with the sheep? Or gosh, I'm in my shepherd gear, I should go change. Or I don't know, we should like primp or prepare or do something. No, they just hurry. They just run down this hillside and they go find Jesus in a manger. You see, Advent reminds us that delight, it has this simplicity about it. It's not complex or sophisticated. Have you ever taken a child to a candy store or an ice cream store? My husband and I, we used to live in the Castro and this is amazing candy store. Here's a little plug for it, it's called Giddy. It's this tiny little hole in the wall, uh, just like jars of candy. When we lived in that neighborhood, it would be kind of a treat around birthday or holidays to take the kids to this candy store. And when I would take them to the store, they didn't walk in the store and go, gosh, I'm so delighted by this moment. No, they would like literally be running to the store. I'd be yelling, don't get hit by a bus, you know, that kind of thing. And then they would get to the store and, okay, let's say pre-COVID, touching every jar, you know, yelling, even though the store's really small and like simmer down. Like, you know, it's just like this exuberance because that's what delight looks like. It's uncontainable. It's simple. It's not curated and it's not judged. They didn't stand in that moment and go, hang on, how should we approach the fizzy Coca-Cola sweets over there? Or what should we do with the little strawberry? No, they just let it go because there's a simplicity to delight. Church, I think some of us are struggling to make room for delight because we're putting it on trial every time we even consider approaching it. It's like, hmm, My quiet time today could have been better. Let's reflect on what I could have done. Okay, this would have been more effective, and I could have, like, no wonder some of us hate our quiet times. We've spent our entire life telling ourselves we suck at them. We've been shoving down the delight. We've been saying, this needs to be perfect. This needs to be curated. When I went to church today, mm, I didn't like the way I raised my hands. I think next time, maybe I won't. You know, it's like we just have this constant judgment going on in our head and we're trying to curate our relationship with God. And let me tell you, perfectionism will sterilize delight. It will sterilize that thing until we're just rigid and there's no life to it. 
But church, I believe that God is inviting us into the kind of simplicity of delight that those shepherds had, where they just bolted down that hillside and they're like, we don't even care if we show up and we're like sweaty and we're like filthy and we're in our shepherd gear. Like this thing that we're going after, it matters more. Matters more than being perfect, more than being curated. Church, I wanna encourage you not to judge the delight, but allow it to come up. Allow the simplicity to come up. It's funny, you know, God actually models for us delight. This is beautiful passage in Zephaniah 3:17. And it says, "The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing." Here's the thing about this passage. There's a number of Hebrew words for joy or delight. Four different ones are used in this scripture. Four different words to describe delight because here's the thing, God is not restrained in his delight. He doesn't look at us and go, gosh, I'm really delighting in you today. No, he's like singing and he's dancing and he's joyful and this is how delight manifests in him. He's fully engaged. He's like my kids racing into giddy being like, I want everything. It's like it's overwhelming because that's the nature of delight. So when in scripture God says, hey, I want you to delight in me like I'm delighting in you, there's a recklessness that I think he's inviting us into. There's a playfulness to God. Let me ask you for a second this morning, does your God play? Does your God laugh? Does he tell jokes? Is he kind of crazy sometimes? Because I think that's the God of the Bible. I mean, there are so many weird stories in the Bible. How can he not be playful? How can he not be funny? Like this is who he is. He delights in us, but friends, we spend so long shoving down our delight and making it so clean and acceptable to other people. And I feel like expectant delight this Advent looks like saying, how do I get kind of crazy with Jesus? How do I get kind of a little unhinged in like a healthy way? Like how do I like not need to curate and like judge every little part? What about if we approached our Bible reading or a quiet time or our worship, whatever you call it, and we just turned off that judgy voice and we just said, how about we just have some fun, Jesus? And you know what? I promise that this time I'm not going to evaluate it at the end. I'm just gonna let it be. Because I think that's the kind of delight that God is drawing us into. And you know, one final thing on that is, you know, kids, Jesus said the kingdom belongs to people that come like children. There's something about children, like they are not just cognitive, cognitively engaged in delight, it's like every fiber in their body is like out of control, right? And for some of us, we're gonna access our delight in the Lord with our bodies. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're just like, this is brave for me, then I just wanna encourage you, then get braver this Advent season. Like some of us, seriously, we just need to put on some worship and just engage our bodies and it doesn't have to look cool and we don't have to worry about judging it, but let's be wholeheartedly delighting in the Lord this Advent season. Matthew 2 is the Magi. Here they are, Matthew 2, verse 10. 
Here are these guys from the East. We don't actually know how many there were. I don't think there was We Three Kings. Like, that's just a song. We don't know their names, but we know they came from the East and we know they followed a star. And it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's not just the vulnerability of delight, and it's not just the simplicity of delight that we see in the Advent stories. It's the proximity of delight. These magi, these wise men, they come from so far to seek out Jesus. They follow a star in the sky, They end up in front of King Herod. They kind of go around the bouts. They finally find the child in his home, and they are overjoyed. This word overjoyed, you will not see it again in the New Testament until the resurrection. That Greek word there, you won't see it again until the resurrection of Jesus. Isn't that amazing that there's this kind of awe, this kind of like hyper mega joy that was saved for the arrival of Jesus and then his death and resurrection. I think that's beautiful. And in they come. They come because they've been seeking him. They want to be with him. They don't just want to send a gift. They could have sent a gift. They want to be with Jesus. They want to know what does it feel like to walk into the room of this like chosen one. I don't know if they fully understood who he was. They knew he was special. What does it feel like to be with Jesus? What does it feel like to kneel before this king? What does it feel like to reach towards him with the best that we have? You see, everything about the scripture says that delight pulls us towards the very object of our delight. They didn't learn about this this kid that was being born and think, That sounds cool, but no, I'm not really interested. Like delight compels us forward. Says come closer and we wanna be closer. This last week I was having coffee with a friend. We were at Jane on Fillmore, cute little coffee shop, sitting outside just chatting. And church, the most amazing thing happened. A little preschool group went by. Now, you guys know what I'm talking about. They are about three years old, T-shirts to their ankles, right? All the same color, bright green, holding the rope. And there's like a teacher in front and a teacher behind, and they're all like, green light, red light, like this going along. And they walk so close to us, and I like turn around, and I'm like, oh my gosh, ah!" like this, like super like into it. And they're all like, thinking, who is this strange woman? And I am just delighted in that moment. Church, there was wetness in my eyes. Like, I was that delighted. And I turned to my friend Sylvia, who was having coffee with her, and I was like, oh my gosh, I need more of this in my life. Uh, 2020 needs more little preschool groups going by waving at us. Like, we need that, don't we? I will just say right now, because I know some of you are thinking on the other side of the screen, Ruthie wants another child. Ruthie doesn't want another child. No, I don't. I know that all my stories today have been about children, but delight children, it makes sense. I just want to put it on record. I don't desire to have another child. I look at children from a distance, and I think they're delightful, okay? But but my point is... (laughs) 
When you see something that you delight in, when you experience, your human reaction is, oh, I want more of that. I want to be in the proximity of that. Like, I want to be close to that. And church, it's the same with Jesus. It's the same with Jesus. We can't love him if we're not with him. We gotta be with him. We gotta be in the space with him. We gotta be pulled towards him and allow our delight. And you know, how do we get there? Some of it's the vulnerability. Some of it's the simplicity. And church, some of it is just going out and seeking Jesus, just like the wise men did. Just this week, I sat on the beach and I was actually working on this sermon and I was having time with Jesus. It was before the rain and the sun was out and it was just beautiful. And I sat, I've got this little chair that I like sit in and I got all my stuff set up and I'm watching the sun and it's just marvelous. And I just am like, Jesus, hi. This is beautiful. Do you think it's beautiful? Let's just, let's just hold this moment. And I just like invited Jesus. It's just like, hey, how's it going? That's how I do my time with Jesus. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Um, but just like this like awareness that in this moment where I'm experiencing delight, that I want to do that with Jesus. I want the things that bring me delight in the world to almost kind of be a doorway to experiencing delight in Jesus and with Jesus. Church, I want to encourage you that part of us experiencing this expectant delight this year is we need to become like these wise men. We're like, it's not good enough for just to hear about it. It's not enough to put on my podcast. It's not enough to just read my bread every day. That's good, keep doing that, but it's not enough. It's not enough to just hear the worship music that somebody recorded somewhere else. You know what it is enough? You know what I need right now? I need to be with Jesus. I need to be in proximity. I need to know what it feels like to close the door in that room and be like, is this what it feels like to be with you, Jesus? That's what I need. That's how delight manifests. And I know some of you are watching and you're like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't have a baseline for that kind of delight. And church, I want to tell you that this is not reserved for the favorites, and this is not reserved for the extra good. This is for his children. And if you are a child of God, if you love him and you seek him, you know, it says in Jeremiah that if we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. But sometimes we just need to kickstart that. Find a sunrise, find a preschool group, find a dog park, bake cookies, get a glass of red wine and put on some jazz music, whatever does it for you, whatever stirs delight and invite Jesus to do it with you. Because I think friends that when we do that, we're gonna be surprised that you know what, he doesn't just show up in stale moments of Bible study when we're like, I'm just going through the motions. That, that's, you know, he might show up there, but he also shows up when we're jogging through Golden Gate Park or when we're rocking a baby to sleep at night, or when we're tasting food that's like so good, it's like, feel like we're gonna die because we're gonna eat it all. Like he shows up in those beautiful moments too. I believe that this Advent season, God would want us to just say, you know what, Jesus, I don't wanna do the stale thing anymore. I don't wanna do the thing that's just not life-giving. I want, I want expectant delight. I want to be vulnerable. I want to peel back my blanket and say, okay, let's, let's try this again. 
I want to get simple. I want to stop judging. I want to I want to just get loose with you, Jesus. And I want to be with you. It might mean we have to shift some things this Advent season. Do things differently. I want to encourage you, go seek him out, just like the wise man. Posture yourself before him. Bring him your worship, bring him your gratitude. Hang out with Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come back up this morning as we close. Church, I believe that delight is the remedy for our despair. I know when we hear that, it's, it's hard in a year like we've had. It's like, well, if I just start getting all joyful and playful and crazy with God, doesn't that negate the pain that I've experienced or that other people have experienced? Doesn't that just whitewash it over and we become rah-rah people? No, because sorrow and joy are sisters. Sorrow and joy are sisters. And when we experience joy, what we're saying is, there is so much sorrow, there's so much grief, this world is broken, but that is not the whole story. That is part of the story, that is real. And there are times for lament. And even in my own life recently, I've seen myself just in the course of just an hour in the morning with the Lord, moving from lament to delight from lament to delight. Those things, those are sisters. They hang out together. But church, as we go into Advent, I want us just to reposture towards how to delight because you know what? This world is despairing and this world is looking around and they need some hope. And church, it's not gonna come from our great efforts. It's not gonna be because we're the best people who have suddenly mastered life and we're killing it during COVID season. It's going to come from this deep place of delight in us that says, you know what, I've been hanging out with Jesus and I felt the pain and I felt the loss and I felt this overwhelming joy of this Savior that did not hold back. But he came and he gave everything in that little manger, in that little outhouse with angels and shepherds and Mary probably thinking, what the heck is going on? And that is the Christmas story. And that's what we think about as we prepare and as we wait, and as we bring our hearts to the Lord this morning. Let's go ahead and just close our eyes. I opened with a quote that said that, you know, we're not always faithful in our waiting, but gosh, God is faithful in his coming. He is faithful in his coming. He's faithful. There are some of us that are just, we're on the edge this morning of wanting to just peel back the blanket. We just, we want to let Jesus in so bad. And we might need a little help. And the good thing is we have the Holy Spirit and he is a helper and he is a comforter. And if you're listening to me this morning and you're thinking, I want this so bad and I don't know how to get there. All I want you to do is just posture yourself this morning. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Come help me. Some of you have experienced uh, actual loss this year, like somebody in your life has died and you've been in grief and you felt like, I don't know if I'm going to come out of this. I feel like I'm actually a different person and I, I feel so sad all the time and I have no idea how to even access delight. And I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is also a guide. 
and he will lead you back to delight. Jesus, I thank you that you delight in us. You delight in us. And our delight is actually just a response to your initiation. It's you that's like, I love you, I delight in you, I celebrate you, and it stirs something in us. But Jesus, today some of us are struggling and we're not quite sure how to get there. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Some of us are reeling right now from the holidays. Some of us are feeling anxiety about facing more holidays. We're feeling like, I don't, I don't know if I can keep this together. And I just feel like the Lord wants to encourage you. If that's you this morning, just, just come, just bring it. Just bring it to Jesus. The anxiety and the fear and all the things, just like the shepherds, don't curate it. Don't make it look pretty. If you need to get on your knees and just like cry, just bring it. Because Jesus wants that, that simplicity in our delight, just being real. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we are not alone. You're with us. You're helping us. And if there's some of you that have been just feeling really on the edge, like really on the margin, like I haven't been to church for so long, does anyone even know I haven't been? Like, am I even seeing? Do people even know I still exist? I just sense God's word to you this morning is, Jesus knows you still exist. Jesus knows exactly where you are in this very moment. Some of you are even, you've moved away from San Francisco, but you still tune into reality and you're thinking, oh, I feel like I left my heart there, but I moved and maybe I shouldn't have. And you're second guessing. I just feel like Jesus is like, I'm with you right where you are. You don't need to go back to San Francisco to find me. I'm with you right where you are. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. Jesus, I pray that you'd meet us in our loneliness. Meet us in our uncertainty. And Lord, would we be a people of delight, expectant delight, because Jesus, you're coming. And we anticipate you doing good things. In Jesus' name, amen.